Welcome to the Mind Muscle Connection Podcast, a show that is dedicated to educating you on applying science-based training, nutrition, and mindset strategies from some of the top minds in the industry to help you build a leaner, stronger, and more confident self. I'm your host, Jeff Hain. Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Mind Muscle Connection podcast. Today is a Q&A episode and I have three questions I want to dive into. But first, before I do that, I just have a few ways you can help support the podcast. So if you are sick of just focusing on weight loss, instead want a body recomp, then my one-on-one online coaching program is for you. I help you lose body fat and build muscle with my body recomp training, nutrition, and lifestyle methods. We look at things like your lifestyle and biofeedback to individualize your training and nutrition program to you and your specific needs. Um, we also find that there's at least one or two bottlenecks outside of the training and nutrition protocol that are keeping you from seeing the results that you want to see. Um, and yeah, this just comes from check-ins and just taking an audit of what you do from day to day uh, there that we find these things out and obviously just time spent working together. So if you are interested in that, uh, the link for that is in the show notes and you can reach out to me on Instagram and ask me any questions you have about it. If you aren't interested in full coaching, I do one-on-one consultations where we troubleshoot any issues you have and or map out a game plan. So I have that for you. Again, that link is in the show notes. If you want to learn more about body recomp, I have my 75 minute masterclass on body recomp, you know what it is, how to do it. And you can find the link to that in the show notes as well. So like I mentioned, Instagram, you can follow me there, Jeff, H-O-E-H-N underscore. That's where I'm most active. So if you have any questions, you can reach out to me there. And then lastly, if you found this podcast to be helpful in any way, if you could leave a rating and review, and that will help more people find this podcast as well. All right. So with that out of the way, let's dive into today's topic. And so the first topic is going to be, or topic, first question is going to be, how would you find new maintenance calories when your lifestyle changes? So I think this is a good question, right? Because I do feel like a lot of people put a lot of time and effort into finding their maintenance calories, right? I think the first thing that I want to go over here with this is first, your maintenance calories aren't this magical number, okay? It's likely going to be a range. Some people that range is going to be, it's going to be a wider range for some people that's going to be a smaller range. But to think that it's this perfect number of 2,500, like 2,543 calories is just not true, right? Body's super complex and things just aren't going to be the same from day to day. Okay. So it's likely going to be a range. Let's say, for example, basically what we would do here is we would try to find a calorie amount where it keeps your weight relatively stable um, over time, right? Not just from day to day, right? Like I think this is other kind of mistake with maintenance calories that people make is first they're looking for that magical number and they never find it because of this next reason that I'm about to go over. And that is that they, oh, hey, I was 163.4 yesterday, but now I weighed in on 162.6. So that's obviously a deficit, but that's not true either. We're going to have these daily fluctuations in, in, in weight, particularly through water that are going to happen from day to day. So we have to look at these trends over time. We need to, from there, again, take that average for the week. If you weigh in five times a week, take that average weigh in for that week and then compare it to previous weeks. And that's where you'll find this out. But again, I, I wanted to go over those two things. So first, it's realize that your maintenance calories aren't this exact number. It's going to likely be a range. Again, this is going to differ from person to person. And the only way you know is by tracking your body weight. And there's some trial and error that that, that comes into it, right? There's not going to be anything that I've talked about calorie calculators multiple times and how they can work. They get you in the ballpark, but from there you need to take you need to see what happens with your individual body and you need to make those adjustments. Okay. So let's say for example, like you have some lifestyle changes. I thought through this and 
again, I, w- I would do this any other way that, that I would do it. So you, you want to get an idea of where it's at and then adjust based on where weight is trending over time, right? Again, let's say, for example, you found out that your old maintenance was like 2350 or somewhere around there, right? Again, we know it's likely a range. Chances are it's still probably going to be around the same. So that's where I would start out at is base it off of what my previous maintenance calories were at one point, because chances are they're maintenance calories aren't going to change a ton unless I'll talk about the one thing that I think could potentially increase it by a good amount or decrease it. So it's not like things are going to change a ton. Okay. So I think that number that you had previously is still going to get you within a, a ballpark, right? Because for example, this kind of myth that I thought was, and, and I thought this too at one point was like, Oh, you're, you're the the energy expenditure is going to change a ton, right? So it's when you diet for fat loss, you're going to be able to drop weight on more calories, essentially, right? Which that doesn't really happen. Your body's really good at adapting, and it, it adapts to whatever energy balance you're in. So, for example, somebody that typically can maintain their weight fairly easily, they're probably always going to be able to do that, right? Which means they probably have a very large range of their maintenance calories. You drop down to a deficit, maybe you have to really drop your calories. Unfortunately, there's probably not anything that you're going to be able to do to really increase that, right? Your body just has a really, it does a really good job of adapting to that. And so you're not really going to be able to change that. So what, and then maybe you have that large decrease in calories or energy expenditure when you're fat loss dieting, but then you go to maintenance and then you see this large uptick in energy expenditure, right? So there is this, some people just adapt or are better at maintaining their weight. Some people are better at, it's easier for them to drop weight. Some people, it's easier for them to gain weight. For some people, it's tougher for them to lose weight. And again, I think most of that is going to come down to genetics. Now, yes, there's some things that you can do in that process that will make this easier or tougher. But again, this is considering, hey, we're not completely screwing things up here at at this point, right? So to come back to that, the only thing then that I could really think of that would dramatically change your lifestyle, that would change like your maintenance calories would be your activity levels, okay? That's the only thing that I could really think of. Now, maybe some medication, maybe adding a little bit of muscle, but again, that's, and maybe I felt like, maybe I was, maybe I explained it at some point in time where it's like, oh, hey, if you really increase your muscle mass, you're going to see this massive energy expenditure increase. And that's probably not the case, right? Like maybe it will bring it up a little bit, but it's not going to be like where you're all of a sudden going to have to drastically alter your maintenance calories. Same thing with if you eat more protein, like I talk about how protein can slightly increase your metabolic rate. This isn't going to do it by 500 calories, right? It's going to be a very small amount and whatnot there, right? So the only thing I can think of that would really drastically alter your maintenance calories to where you would have to change them would be your activity levels. Okay. So I just want to point that out because unless those are completely different, then your maintenance calories are likely very similar to where they were before. So again, you can use those old maintenance calories. I'm trying to think of some other things potentially that like people would talk about that increase metabolic rate. Like sleep, again, that's going to be something that isn't necessarily going to increase your metabolic rate, right? It can probably help you manage your caloric intake better. It can probably help you build more muscle, which in turn can slightly increase it. But again, it's not going to be this massive increase, but in your energy expenditure, but again, that's not going to be something that is going to be like massive in terms of increasing your metabolic rate to where you have to drastically alter your maintenance calories. Stress, if you get that under control, again, likely not going to make this large difference in your energy expenditure. Again, it might help you be able to moderate your caloric intake better. So then you're not like necessarily gaining weight, right? You're not eating more calories than you think you make better food choices again. So you eat less calories. So it's like in your head, you think, Oh, this increases my metabolic rate because I'm not gaining weight as much, but really you're just improving that the energy inside of the uh, equation, right? Again, it's not necessarily increasing your metabolic rate. So 
I just wanted to hammer that point home that I, uh, again, from a lifestyle standpoint, really the only thing is going to be your activity levels. And so this could be you get a new job that requires you to move a lot more, right? Maybe you're getting 5,000 steps, now your job, now you're expending 15,000 or you're getting like 15,000 steps a day. Like, again, that's going to be a massive change. On the other hand, you could flip it around, right? Maybe you used to be an athlete and now you have a sedentary job. That's going to be a pretty big decrease in your activity levels, right? That is going to probably have a big impact on your energy expenditure and, and end up changing where your maintenance calories would be. So yeah, so those would be some examples there of the activity level aspect of it, right? That, that would change. So basically how I would go about this at that point, right? Okay. So now you know that things have changed and maybe your, maybe your maintenance calories are slightly different now because you've had this large change in activity levels. So let's say you're more active now, then you can either keep your calories the same, like again, keep your maintenance calories, what they were before and see what happens, right? If you start to see that, let's say maybe you're moving a little bit less, you keep your maintenance calories the same. Now you're starting to see your weight week over week. Again, we're not talking day to day, week over week, you start to see it trend up. Probably a good sign that you're on the high end of maintenance, maybe a small surplus. So you might want to decrease your calories uh, a little bit. Okay. Again, on the flip side, and I'm sorry, we're this is if you're just more active now. Let me start with that. So let me <laughs> backtrack here just a minute. So again, you're more active now. So you keep them the same, see what happens, right? Let's say your weight starts to trend down. Now your maintenance calories are probably a little bit higher than what they were before. So you can increase your calories, okay? Or if you just want to, hey, I already know I'm going to be moving more. I just want to make this change initially. Then you can increase your calories by a couple hundred, one to 200, and then see what happens. So if weight goes down, then you would increase your calories. If it goes up, then you decrease slightly. But remember, if it it's only if it goes up over like one to three weeks, not from one way into the next, right? So we want to get that trend over time. And I would say it stays within two and a half percent of your body weight. So if you have a week where it goes up, you're probably not not necessarily, you're not necessarily out of your maintenance calories. You could still be in, in your maintenance uh, energy balance. Now, if it starts to go up week over week, two, three, four weeks in a row, okay, you're probably you're in a small surplus, okay? So you need to look at that. Now, let's take it from the other standpoint. Let's say you're less active now, right? You Again, you're that person that you were super active. Now, all of a sudden, you, you just know that you're going to be moving less overall. So you can keep them the same and again, see what happens. If your weight starts to trend up, again, you're in that surplus, you probably need to decrease your calories a little bit. Or again, you can start off right away by just decreasing your calories and seeing what happens. So if weight goes down too much, then you increase cows back up by 100 to 300. If it goes up, then you would slightly... So if your weight... So as I'm looking through this, I definitely made a mistake here in my response here. So if your weight goes up, then I had, and you would increase your calories slightly, but you would decrease them slightly. Because again, if your weight's trending up, that means you are in a small surplus there, right? So then you would decrease your calories slightly to, to match with that. If it stays the same, then perfect. You're good to go. You're at maintenance. So again, it's going to require a little trial and error. I, I guess the main takeaways are going to be Unless you have this massive change in your activity levels, your maintenance calories are likely going to be within the same range that they were before. So just make sure that you use what you've done in the past and you can use that number. If not, if you haven't done that, then you can, if you don't know what your maintenance calories are, you can use a calculator, get a baseline, and then again, make those adjustments based on what I talked about here. And then take some data for a couple of weeks and then see what happens, right? If it's if weight's trending outside of that, that range that we talked about and it's trending in one way or the other, whether down or up then you might need to make some changes there to match with it. So hopefully that was helpful. I think, again, the big takeaway is just you're likely not going to see a massive difference in your maintenance calories from what you've done in the past, unless, again, you have that change in activity levels. Obviously, if anybody can think of any other ones, I would 
be open to hearing your thoughts on it, but just my general thoughts on that. So next question is when slash how to deload. So recently, and I've probably talked about this multiple times. I feel like this gets brought up so many times. I think first, I think we overthink the deload. It's not this magic like strategy that you can implement, right? It's when you think about it, and I'm going to break it down here. When you think about it, it's fairly easy to understand when you need to deload and whatnot. And Versus, is it screwing up my gains? Because again, at the end of the day, it's probably not screwing up your gains one way or the other, but we'll talk about that. Whenever you feel like you need one, honestly, okay? So that's when you would deload. Performance performance is suffering. You're not able to progress. Your motivation's crap. Like you just don't want to go to the gym. You're like, man, this is going to be so hard to progress this week. Or not necessarily, it's going to be so hard to progress this week. I think that's fine. But you just, you don't want to go to the gym. It's been like that for two to three weeks. Hey, probably time to deload. You feel super beat up. You got some niggles, like you've been pushing it and, and you just feeling beat up, right? Everything just feels sore. It's, oh man, it's you're, it's like really hard to get going essentially in your workouts. That's probably a sign that you need to take a deload here uh, shortly. Another one would be like, you have a trip coming up. You have a ton of events. It's been a while since you deload. You have a super busy week outside of the gym. So that might be a good week to implement a deload as well too. This typically happens every six to eight-ish weeks, but it could be longer. It could be shorter. So again, this is dependent on those things I just talked about, right? I think once you get past that eight, nine, 10, 11 week mark, it's okay. If you don't feel like you need a deload, can we potentially increase your intensity of training? Can you maybe do a little bit more volume? Let's. That would be my thought. If it's anything less than if you feel like you need a deload every three, four weeks. And this is again, from a hypertrophy standpoint, we're trying to build muscle. It's, you probably are going a little too hard. Maybe recovery is off. You probably need to look at like switching up your training variables one way or the other. Okay. So that's my thoughts. I think six to eight weeks is solid. And and my, and definitely my train of thought of this uh, on this recent, like a uh, preprint um, from Max Coleman out of Brad Schoenfeld's like uh, research lab. They looked at deloads. I mean, I've talked to this won't be out yet, but I've talked to Steve Hall about it. So you can reference that uh, episode. Um, the most recent one was Steve Hall. Um, I have an episode coming out with Eric Helms here shortly. I don't think it will be out. It might be out this Wednesday, if not the next week um, for whenever this comes out. But they, we talked about this, the new study. And basically they found that, okay, so they had one group that they trained straight through for nine weeks and they felt super motivated. They felt fine to keep going. They saw a little bit more strength gains. Hypertrophy was the same. And so I jumped ahead there, but they did another group where they had four weeks, deload four weeks. And again, hypertrophy was the same. So muscle growth was the same between the two groups. Strength was just a little bit lower, right? In that group that took a deload probably from, and, and the, the big thing here is they took a complete week off of training, right? They didn't train at all in that one week of the deload, which isn't what we would typically say, right? Like it's usually, Hey, let's make sure that we do something in that week. So could that offset that potentially? So there's two ways to spend this, right? Taking a deload is not necessary, or it doesn't really do like it. It's, you're not missing out on any gains by taking a, a deload either. Really the takeaway here is you probably can be, you can lean more towards a little bit more reactive with deloading versus being like, you have to deload every four weeks. So if you feel good, you keep progressing, like you don't necessarily need to take a deload. But if you are feeling these things, you're feeling beat up, motivation's low, like then it's probably a good idea to take a deload here fairly soon. That's just where we're at with the state of deloads for building muscle um, at this point. So hopefully I explained that well. Um, if you have any questions, you can always reach out. As far as like how to do it, basically you just want to, I, I always tell people this, you just want to find a way to lower your fatigue. This can be done multiple different ways. But at the end of the day, any question we ask about the deload, it has to come from that thought of, okay, let's decrease our training fatigue. 
So you can do this by lowering your training volume. So instead of doing three sets for everything, maybe you drop down to two, maybe you drop down to one. You can lower the weight, right? Like you just do less weight than what you've been doing for the previous weeks in your training. You can drop intensity that can be done through less volume. It can be done through less weight. It could just be, hey, stay a little bit further away from failure. Because again, we know that the closer you get to failure, probably going to add a little bit more fatigue. So with that, we can just stay further away from failure. You can also do you can also do all of this by doing fewer training days. So maybe you train four times a week. Now in the deload, you're going to do two to four or two to three. By doing that, you're dropping volume you, you, automatically, right? So that's a win right there. You can also drop weight in that workout and those workouts, and that will drop your overall volume. That will also drop fatigue because uh, you'll probably stay further away from failure. So there's multiple different ways we can go about it. Again, we just need to realize that we're just trying to drop fatigue. So we can do that in many different ways. If you're Maybe your motivation's a little low, but you're feeling pretty beat up. Maybe you drop volume, maybe you drop weight and stay far away from failure. Maybe you're not feeling super beat up, but you just, motivation's a little low, performance is going down the drain a little bit, but it's, hey, it's time to take a deload. Maybe you just do less volume versus like also dropping weight and doing these other things. So we have a lot of things that we can do here and there's no best way to deload. It's just, hey, we probably want to do something, but we want it to be less than what we were doing in the weeks leading up. So that's how I would go about deloading just to simplify it there with that. And then my last question of the day is two sets versus three sets of an exercise, positives and negatives. So positives, pretty obvious. You do less overall, which means less time in the gym, potentially. That's the first thing there is if you, let's say you have five exercises, that's five less sets that you're doing. That's you're talking in one to two minutes of rest in between those. Also the time spent doing those exercises that will save you some time. So I think that's a big positive there with it. I think the other big one that probably goes unnoticed, and this is the, probably a bigger positive, I guess, as I think about it, they're both good, like they're both solid positives. You can put more focus into each set and you can push closer to failure, right? So by doing less sets, you're able to really, you're doing less quantity. So you can really increase that quality of what you're doing, which can be super helpful. And each rep you do is going to be of higher quality, which is great for building muscle. And again, you can push yourself closer to failure, right? The, the less volume you do, the more likely you are to be able to push yourself closer to failure. So if you enjoy that, that's going to be a pro there of it. Downside, two sets might not be enough for you. I think this is where we want to be careful with these black or white statements of, should I do two or three? It's, it just depends. Do you maybe need to do three sets for it? So that would be one downside is if you just do two, might not be enough for you potentially. A negative could also be a, a positive, right? So like the ne- the positive is you can push yourself closer to failure if you enjoy that, if you're doing two sets versus three sets. However, if you do two versus three sets, you likely need to push yourself closer to failure. So for you, that might not be, you might not like that type of training. So that would be something that you need to consider there on that. So it's funny, it can be a negative and, and a positive. Again, it just ultimately what that, what the takeaway is, figure out what, how you like to train. And if you like to stay further away from failure, maybe you need to do a little bit more volume there with that, right? If you'd like to stay far away from failure, less volume might not be for you. But again, you still have to figure it out and see how you're progressing. So don't worry so much about like how many sets you are doing, but instead focus on progressions. Are you progressing? Do you feel good? Are you able to stick to that amount of volume? Like those are the, these are the big things that we need to look at. What can get you to consistently progress over time and stay consistent with your training and stay injury free. And these are all things that you need to consider here with, should you do two sets versus three sets? And you only really find that out by taking data, staying consistent with it, and then making adjustments um, from there, right? If you're always switching things up, you're never really going to know for sure there on that. So that's the best thing I can say there. And again, don't think of this as a black or white, like you can only do two sets or you can only do three, maybe certain periods of time you 
do two sets of an exercise, maybe there are periods of time you do three sets. I think that we want to be careful with this like kind of black or white thinking with things. And, and there's a lot of things that, that potentially um, go into it. But if you do two sets and you're worried that it's not enough, just realize that at worst case scenario, you're not going backwards. If anything, you might be able to get a little bit stronger by doing a little less volume, you might be able to lift a little bit heavier as well. So just realize that it's, if you're lifting, you're progressing, you're, you're able to progressively overload, it's going to be really hard to actually lose muscle by doing that. So just think of it that way. So that's my thoughts on two versus three sets. Let me know if you guys have any questions. That's it for this episode. And I will chat with you next time. Thank you for listening. If you want more free content like this, follow me on Instagram at JeffH91 underscore or visit JHHealth.net. See you next time.